listening to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth, Jr. How should I pray when I fast? That's a common question, but for people that have never spent time in an extended fast, um, the question comes up a lot. How should I pray when I'm fasting? I'm going to give you uh, tonight seven parameters that you definitely, definitely need to have in your prayer time um, when you're fasting and praying. Again, let me just say something to you. If you're joining us in this 21 days of fasting and prayer, but you're not praying, then I would definitely, definitely eat something because you're on a hunger strike at that point. And so um, it's very important that you're spending time in prayer as you are fasting. And so um, make sure that you're spending. What we recommend is a minimum of at least an hour a day something we saw in the New Testament, something we saw Jesus talk about. Um, If you'll remember, he said to Peter and the other disciples in Matthew 26 when they fell asleep, could you not watch with me for even one hour? You know, it shows that he didn't think that was a long time. Acts chapter 3, the Bible says they were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer. So the early church had an hour of day, a day of prayer that they engaged in. We know that the early church Um, fasted two days every week for hundreds of years. We have the apostles writing from history. And so they they were people of prayer and fasting. And that's still what Jesus is expecting of his people today, that we will take time to uh, fast throughout our year and pray. We should be praying every day. And so this morning we prayed um, half an hour with you. We're going to pray another half an hour tonight after I teach this. And so I want you to get something ready to Uh, write some notes down. I'm going to give you seven parameters uh, that will help you. How should I pray when I fast? How should I pray when I fast? This is going to be something you need to keep with you for the whole fast and, you know, throughout the future. I remember when I was in high school, we were blessed because we had a teacher in our high school that allowed his classroom to be used by students Um, to pray before school started. And he attended our church, Mr. Gripper, and he was a science teacher. And uh, he would allow his classroom to be opened up for prayer. So we had all all kinds of students that would join us in the uh, classroom before the first bell. And we would literally take time every single day to pray. And I remember getting irritated even back then because (laughs) we would have... These three sisters that would come to prayer every single day, and they came looking like they were dressed for church every single, every single day. And when they'd come into the prayer service, we'd be all gathered around in a circle, and we'd go around and ask, you know, does anybody have prayer requests? And um, every single day, they would say that they had all, and they would, it'd be like multiplied you know, we got, I have 52 unspoken prayer requests, you know, it just like kept multiplying. Um, so I, I would, I just kept getting more and more irritated every time I heard this. Um, you know, I have, 
you know, 12 unspokens today and whatever. Um, and, and then I came across this verse of scripture in Philippians chapter four and verse number six. And uh, if you're taking notes, that's the first verse that I want to uh, give to you today. Philippians four and verse six, um, where the Bible says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. So as I'm giving you these seven things, the very first one that you need to write down in your notes, you can put it in the comments, is be specific. Be specific. You know, I told a story this morning that bears repeating. When Brother Kenneth Hagin was a pastor, he said that he wanted to do a poll among his people. So almost every service, they would end their services around the altar praying. And um, he said he'd come off the platform and he'd walk around and he'd stop his people and ask them, what are you praying for? What are you praying about? He said he was surprised at how many times people would say to him, I don't know, I'm just praying. He said it blew his mind. They would look at him and say, well, I don't know, I'm 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 just praying. And he said, you know, I understand that some prayer is just fellowship with God. He said, but they didn't even know if they were doing that or not. He said, and it blew my mind that people didn't know what they were praying about. And he made the point, which is very excellent point, If you don't know what you're praying about, how would you know if your prayers were answered or not? Think about it. If you don't know what you're praying for, how would you know if your prayers were answered or not? So when we start off, be specific. That's so key. In fact, as we go into this 21 days of fasting and prayer, you should have a list of things that you're saying, God, I'm believing you that these specific things are going to turn around in this 21 days of prayer and fasting. I'm setting my faith that these are the things that we're going to see happen by your power, by your power. And you write them down. You know, that's why we use prayer points. Don't just write them down. Get specific with God. You know, one of the things that really opened my eyes to this a lesson of being extremely specific with God was a story that um, Dr. David Youngie Cho told about his early days in ministry. And he said early on, you know, everything was very poor where he was in uh, South Korea and um, nobody really had anything. He said, you were very, very wealthy if you had a car. He said, but most people walked everywhere And it was even relatively rare for someone to have a bicycle. But he said when he first started, he had an empty office. And uh, you've heard me tell this, I'm sure. And he he began to pray. He said, God, three things I want. Number one, I want a desk. Number two, I want a chair. And number three, I want a bicycle. And uh, he would pray that. And he hadn't seen answers to his prayers. And one day he was talking to the Lord. and uh, And he just began to say, Lord, how come I haven't seen this before? And the Lord told him in his spirit, he said, you've not been been very specific. He said, what kind of desk do you want? What kind of chair do you want? What kind of bicycle do you want? And it struck him. And he understood he had not been specific with the Lord. 
It's like you wouldn't go to a restaurant and when the, when the waiter comes to you and say, what would you like? You say, yes, let me have dinner. That, that's not a specific request. It's why they give you a menu. And so the Lord said to him, what kind of a desk do you want? What kind of a chair? What kind of a bicycle do you want? So he got specific and he said, Lord, I want a mahogany desk. He said, Lord, I want a chair with wheels on the bottom. And this was his words. So I can roll around my office like a big shot. And he said, Lord, I want an American made bicycle. And so he kept on praying that I want a mahogany desk. I want a chair with wheels on the bottom and I want to have an American made bicycle. And so he began to confess it's coming, it's coming. And, um, he heard this, this report went out, this report went out, uh, in the town and people started hearing, Oh, pastor, um, Cho says he's got a mahogany desk and he's got a bike and he's got a chair. And because people were so, so poor, little kids came by and they they wanted to see it. It was a, like an anomaly. They wanted to see it. I want to see your desk and your chair and your bike. And, and he said, I have them. They said, where are they? And he would point at his belly and he'd say, they're in here. I'm pregnant with them. I'm pregnant. And the kids would laugh. And he writes in his book that when the kids of the town would see him, they'd run by and rub his belly because he kept saying, I'm pregnant with them. They're in here. And one day, uh, a missionary called him that was there locally and said, we just had a ship come in with some shipping containers and there's something in here I think you'd like. And he said, what is it? He said, well, we have in the shipping container, a mahogany desk. We have a chair. When he went to check it out, it was chair, an office chair with wheels on the bottom. And he said, there's also a bike in here. It's an American made bicycle. And the exact things that he asked for, God gave him. It was a lesson to him that when he prays, he should be as specific as possible with God. First of all, it shows the Lord that you believe he's able to do exactly what you're asking him to do. It's a sign of faith when you get specific with your prayers. That's why Paul wrote to the Philippian church and said, make your requests known unto God. Make your requests known. Be very, very specific with the Lord. What are you believing for? Don't just say a job. You know what I mean? Don't just say, well, I'm believing. Get specific. What kind of a job? You're believing for something? Speak out what it is. Declare what it is. You know, um, I was thinking about this because if you've done any reading for uh, in the business world, if you've read any business books, there's something that's been around a long time, and it's something called uh, an acronym called SMART goals, SMART being the acronym. And, um, you know, when I was first reading about that years ago, SMART goals, and if you've never read about it, the SMART stands for, if I can remember all five, specific, measurable, attainable, relative, relevant, sorry, and time sensitive. I believe those are the five. Specific, measurable, attainable, relevant, and time sensitive. I thought, you know what? It's interesting that there are people who aren't even Christians that will set their goals that way, but Christians need to pray that way. And I started thinking, it's amazing if you could add some of these things to your prayers you know, first, the first one, specific, get specific with your prayers. 
Get specific. Are they measurable? How would you know if it's happening? That's what Brother Hagin noticed, that nobody, nobody would know if their prayers were answered because what they're asking for is not specific. It's not able to be measured. I want, Lord, I want, you just say, you say like, Lord, just bring, uh, just bring salvation to America. That, that's a terrible prayer. Bring salvation to America. Get specific. Get specific. If you're praying for your family, pray for them by name. Ask God to do specific things with your family, right? And then you can see I'm specific about this cousin, about this uncle, about my husband, about my granddaughter. And then you know what happens? You can see what God's doing. You can see what God's doing. Business people are being specific about their goals, and Christians have not been specific about their prayers. It's time to get specific with what we're asking God for. That's right. And that's why it's um, one of the ways, if you didn't know this, answered prayer is one of the ways God brings joy into your life. Did you know that? Answered prayer is one of the ways God brings joy into your life. And he wants to use answered prayer to bring you joy. Look at this. This is found in the Gospel of John, chapter 16, and I'm going to read you verses 23 and 24. Gospel of John, chapter 16, verses 23 and 24. Jesus said, in that day, you will ask nothing of me. Truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he'll give it to you. Look at verse 24. Until now, you've asked nothing in my name. Ask, and you will receive, what? That your joy may be full. Hallelujah. Ask, and you shall receive, that your joy may be full. So one of the things God wants to do when he answers your prayer is to bring fullness of joy into your life. God wants to bring you joy by answering your prayers. Now, did you know, God, the Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 3, that God's eyes are upon the righteous and his ears are open to their prayers. Don't ever feel like God's not listening to you. Don't ever feel like, well, brother, the heavens are brass. I feel like God's not answering my prayers or listening to my prayers. No, absolutely not. God is always listening to your prayers. God is always listening to your prayers. His eyes are upon the righteous and his ears are are open to their prayers. So if you're one of God's righteous people, guess what? He's hearing you tonight. He hears your prayers. His eyes are upon your life. It's time to get specific like we've never been. Specific. Look at, um, go back with me to John chapter 15. And verse number seven. If you abide in me, Jesus said, and my words abide in you. Ask for whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. Look at that. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, <clears throat> you can ask for whatever you wish, and it shall be done for you. I wanted to read you a testimony that came in, if I can find it. Listen to this testimony. It came in today. Last year, I fasted and prayed for a new home 
for my family and a trouble-free pregnancy. This past Christmas, just a few weeks ago, we were holding our brand new baby in our new home by the lake, all because of God. Hallelujah. Notice, he got specific about what he wanted. You know, one of the things I think that keeps people from being specific is that they're embarrassed or they think it's prideful to ask God for specifically what they're believing for. And so they try to water down their prayers and that, you know, God, just whatever you have for me, I pray. No, ask him specifically. Whatsoever things you desire when you pray, believe you, re- you shall receive them and you shall have them. Notice that. Whatsoever things you desire when you pray, believe you'll receive them and you shall have them. So we got to be specific. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish. So you got to ask. It's got to be something specific. Ask whatever you wish and it shall be done for you. Number two, you have to ensure, and this is a bonus, by the way, you could call this 1A, you've got to ensure that you're not double-minded about anything you're asking God for. Don't be double-minded. It's a huge mistake. It's something the devil tries with everything he has to get believers into that trap of double-mindedness. Why is it such a trap? Because the Bible says in James chapter 1 that a double-minded man or woman is unstable in all their ways. And that person should not think that they'll receive anything from the Lord. Not anything. Double-mindedness. Going back and forth. Well, I believe, but I don't know. And I, I think. Stay in faith. Believe. Confess. Don't let two different things come out of your mouth. Don't one day, oh, I, I really believe, I know God's going to do it. And then you come, well, I don't know. We just want to be prepared in case God doesn't come through. Which is it? Do you believe him or you do not, or do you not believe him? No double-mindedness. No double-mindedness. I believe. I believe. If God's word says it, I believe it. That's the end of it. That's the absolute end of it. I believe what he says. And so we have to get double-mindedness out. It's a trick of the devil. It's a trick of the devil to try to get us out of position of receiving anything, the Bible says, from the Lord. That's James chapter 1. You can read verses 6 through 8. So I refuse. I refuse to be double-minded about my prayers. I refuse. Specific and single-minded. You could list those together because they have to go together. I'm specific and I'm single-minded. God's word says it, I'm going to have it in Jesus' name. Amen. And then truly number two, that was one and one A. Truly number two, your praise, or excuse me, your prayers need to be laced with thanksgiving and praise. Your prayers need to be laced all through, beginning, throughout, and the end with thanksgiving and praise. Has to be. This is God's way. This is God's system. God's system. I start with thanksgiving and praise. I finish with thanksgiving and praise. Have to. Why? Because God has his own way of doing things. Right? 
The Bible says, here's God's system. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and enter his courts with praise. Remember something, Christ is king. He's a king who sits on the throne. Imagine, you know, if you've ever seen something from medieval times, a movie or a show, can you imagine people just running into the king's courtroom and starting to demand things? No. There's a way you approach the king. There's a way you approach the king. Thanksgiving and prayer. (laughs) That's right. That's it. That's what I wrote in the book, Lauren. A thanksgiving and praise sandwich. You say, what does that mean? I wrote it that way so you could get a visual that if you were making a sandwich, all of the stuff that's in the middle, that's your your supplication, things you're asking God for, your requests, but the two pieces of bread on either side of that sandwich are thanksgiving and praise on one side and thanksgiving and praise on the other side with all of the requests and the supplications in the middle. I always start with it. I always end with it. And you notice this. When you start with it, what are you doing? You're thanking and praising God for all the things he's already done. Already done. There's people that wonder, how come you guys um, start a lot of times by praying in the Holy Ghost? Why do you pray in tongues? One of the reasons that we start by praying in tongues is because the Apostle Paul taught in 1 Corinthians chapter 14 that praying in the Spirit is a form of thanksgiving. If you go read that, you read 1 Corinthians 14, verse 2 and verse 4, what you're going to recognize is Paul teaches that praying in the Spirit is a type of thanksgiving. So as we are giving thanks, as we are praising, speaking in tongues or praying in the Spirit fits in right in line with those things because it's a form of thanksgiving. And so I begin, I want God to know he, anything he does for me, he's going to get so much praise. He's going to get so much glory and honor and thanksgiving from me that it'll provoke him to do more things. Do you know, I truly believe this with all my heart. If we as believers would thank and praise God properly, there would be a ton of things we wouldn't even have to pray about because praise provokes God's power. Praise provokes God's power. And so I'm telling you, if we would praise God, why? He inhabits the praises of his people. I've seen people get healed as they're praising God. No one laid hands on them. Nobody anointed them with oil. No one touched them with a prayer cloth. They're praising God in the middle of a service and just get healed. I've watched it multiple times. What happened? They praised God and it provoked his power and they received their healing, received their miracle. It's because praise provokes God's power. So I've watched it happen time and time again, and I'm convinced that if we would properly praise and and, and thank God, there'd be tons of things we wouldn't even have to pray about because God would just begin to manifest his power and his presence on our behalf as we praise him. Hallelujah. And then after we thank and praise him properly, we begin to ask God for things. And then at the end, I always finish by thanking him and praising him for what he's about to do. Glory to God. Thanking him and praising him for what he's about to do in the future. You know, one of the things we do is we praise him for the past. Psalm 150, 
The Bible says, praise him for his mighty acts of greatness. But think of this. He hasn't even completed all of his mighty acts of greatness yet. So I am going to thank him and praise him for his mighty acts of greatness in the past, but I've got some new ones coming. You've got some new ones coming. God's not done showing himself mighty on your behalf. Hallelujah. God's not done show him, showing himself strong and mighty on your behalf. So guess what? In 2024, you've got some mighty acts of greatness on the schedule. You might as well just start praising him now. You might as well just start thanking him now for what's about to happen because it's going to blow the minds of natural men and women when they see the goodness of God manifested in your life. And because you know it's coming, because you know he's going to do it, because he does what he says, then you ought to praise him and thank him now because it's about to come to pass for you. Hallelujah. And I believe the quicker that you praise him, the quicker that you thank him, the more quickly it's coming to pass in Jesus' name. So I'm telling you, number two today, add thanksgiving and praise at the beginning and the end of all your prayer sessions and watch what God will do. Watch what God will do. Do you know, and I'll, I'll just give you this quickly. Remember the story when the 10 lepers approached Jesus, risked their lives to receive a miracle? The Bible says he healed them. He said, go show yourself to the priest. But one of them returned to do what? One of them returned to give thanks. And guess what? When he returned to give thanks, something else happened for this one man. The Bible says that Jesus said, now you go your way for your faith has made you whole. Hallelujah. Your faith has made you whole. You know what that means? It means that what the others may not have gotten, they may have gotten their healing, but they still may have been missing body parts from the leprosy. But this man, because he came back to give Jesus thanks, came back to give Jesus praise, he not only got his healing, he got restoration. I was reading, even Bible scholars that are not Pentecostal seem to agree that this man got an additional blessing. Glory to God. Got an additional blessing. Hallelujah. That's what thanksgiving and praise does. That's exactly what thanksgiving and praise does. And so, one of the things that you need to keep in mind is, as we thank and praise God, supernatural things are already breaking loose. Supernatural things are already breaking loose. That's happening for you. It's happening for me. Number three, keep this as a parameter for your prayer time. Somebody's asking, what scripture is that in 1 Corinthians chapter 14 that deals with the thanksgiving, that praise or speaking in tongues is um, thanksgiving. Because I said speaking in tongues is uh, thanksgiving, and I gave the wrong verse reference. Uh, the verse reference is actually verses 16 and 17. 1 Corinthians 14, verses 16 and 17. That's the actual reference for thanksgiving. The Bible says, otherwise, if you give thanks with your spirit, how can anyone in the position of an outsider say amen to your thanksgiving when he does not know what you're saying? For you may be giving thanks well enough, but the other person is not built up. 
I thank God I speak in tongues more than all of you. Nevertheless, in church, I would rather speak five words with my mind in order to instruct others than 10,000 words in a tongue. So Paul says here that speaking in tongues is a form of thanksgiving, though the others that are listening to you may not understand what you're saying. It's a form of thanksgiving, but only you can get in on that thanksgiving. But if you use your common language, everybody can get in on the thanksgiving. But speaking in tongues is a type of giving thanks to God. Number three, here's another parameter for your prayer time. How should I pray when I fast? Number three, with a kingdom first mentality. Thank you, Jesus. With a kingdom first mentality. What a powerful, powerful principle. Kingdom first. You know, when you become a kingdom first person, do you know what ends up happening? The Bible says all of these other things that other people are dying to get will be added to your life. That'll make you shout. <laughs> the things other people are dying to get, dying to lay their hands on, will just be added to your life. That's Matthew 6, 33. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things will just be added, glory to God, added to you. So notice there's two things there. Seek first the kingdom and his righteousness. So we're seeking righteousness with our lives, but we're also seeking the kingdom, which means God has an agenda. There's something God wants to do on the earth. There's a plan that he has to complete on the earth. And I want to align myself with God's plan. That what he wants done, I want done. Well, say, so what does he want done? Number one, he wants the harvest to be reaped. He wants souls coming into the kingdom. That's number one. He wants to see people healed. If you ever wonder, what does God want done on the earth? Read what Jesus quoted from the book of Isaiah in Luke chapter 4. Let's look at it together. Luke chapter 4, Jesus is in the synagogue, picks up the scroll of Isaiah, and he reads, and this is what he reads, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Why? Why is it upon Christ? Because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives, recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those that are oppressed, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. You want to know what God wants to do? There it is. There it is. That's a good point, Ankit. He only uses the Passion Translation. Yes. What a great, that's a great thought. That's a great move. Good job. Keep it up. Use it in your crusades. Wait until you see the harvests that will happen when you employ the Passion Translation in your crusades. Um, so as, you, <laughs> as you're getting in on this kingdom-first mentality, notice God has a desire to do something. He has a desire to accomplish something in the earth, and he's using people that are kingdom people to do these things. So when you get on God's seat, what you'll find out is if you... Get out of being me-focused and become kingdom-focused, things begin to change. Because all the things that you'd pray for to happen for yourself will automatically just start to happen and more. Because you've put God's 
plan and agenda first. If I put him first, he puts me first. If I'll put God first, he'll put me first. If I'll put God first, he'll put me first. He, did you know the Bible says that he pays the reapers wages? Those that are doing what he wants them to do, those that are reaping the harvest, he pays them wages. Pays them wages. So that's what I'm saying today. If you'll put God first, he'll put you first. And even in your prayer time, think this is something most people never think of. It's never taught. But don't stop at thanksgiving and praise. And then don't stop at just your personal requests for your life. Don't stop. Think about, think about this. Write this as a quote down. If you finish praying and all your prayers were answered and the only one affected is you, you failed in your prayer time. Let me, let me say that again. If at the end of your prayer time, all of your prayers were answered and the only one affected was you, you failed in your prayer time. Think about that. I'm going to say it one more time. If at the end of your prayer time, all of your prayers were answered and the only one affected was you, you failed in your prayer time. Why do you say that? The reason I say it is because even in the Bible, we're commanded to pray for other things other than ourselves. Now, we should pray for ourselves. We should ask God. He wants to answer prayers about us, about our family, about what we're doing. But that's not all we should pray for. I refuse to be selfish in prayer. There are things God wants to do. You know, I'm praying. There's times I'm praying. I'm praying for the ministers of God that are operating in the United States of America and around the world. There's times in my prayer, I'm simply asking God, Lord, strengthen the men of God and the women of God that are doing your work throughout the United States and around the world. I pray that you'd give them a new strength tonight. I pray you put a new strength in their body. I pray that you'd put a, a hedge or a guard around their minds, around their souls, that they'll not be discouraged, that they'll not be taken out, that they'll not throw in the towel before their time. I, Lord, I pray in Jesus' name that you would heal their bodies if the devil's tried to attack your, your servants around the world as they're doing your work, preaching your gospel. I pray that you'd heal their bodies, Lord. I pray that you'd bless their families. That's kingdom praying right there. That's what I mean when I say a kingdom first mentality. I'm praying kingdom prayers. So what else, what else looks like a kingdom prayer? Lord, I pray for your churches all over the world. I pray that this would be a church. I feel the anointing come on me just as I start saying it. I pray that the church at large would expand and increase in 2024. I pray, Lord, that more souls would come into your churches through the work of the ministry than have ever happened in any previous year in the earth before. Lord, I pray that churches would gain new properties. I pray, Lord, that they would take ground in their cities. You pray those kingdom prayers, kingdom prayers. Every wicked thing that's operating behind the scenes to hold churches back and to keep the work of God from moving forward. Every antichrist agenda, every antichrist plan, plan. Lord, I pray you would rip the covers off, expose it, and destroy it this year in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. And you're praying kingdom prayers. 
And now, at the end of my prayer time, if all my prayers were answered, I can know for sure I'm not the only one that's going to be affected. God's men and women around the earth are going to be affected. Churches are going to be affected. The kingdom at large is going to be affected. Their families are going to be affected. Right? Because I'm praying about God's plan on the earth. I'm praying about God's agenda on the earth. I'm praying about his, what his desires are become my desires. God's desires become my desires. You know, a lot of times, think about this. We read that verse in the scripture that says, the Lord will give you the desires of your heart. And a lot of times we read that to mean that whatever I desire in my heart, he'll give it to me. But did you ever think about it from the flip side of that? Did you ever think about the fact that he's the one that gives you the actual desires? Think about that. He's done that in my life. I believe he'll give you the things you want and the things you're believing for. But did you ever think of it from the other side, that he'll put desires in your heart of things you never desired before, but now all of a sudden I desire those things. You know, I never, there, there's plenty, I never wanted to live in Florida. I never had a plan. I never even liked Florida. I used to tell my wife all the time, like, I don't like Florida. I don't like going to Florida. I don't want to spend time in Florida. I don't want to vacation in Florida. I don't like Florida. And all of a sudden, God gave me a call and he gave me an instruction. And when he did, do you know the place God called me here in South Florida? I love South Florida. I still don't care for most parts of Florida, but I love South Florida because God called me here. So you know what he did? He put a new desire in my heart, a desire where I love South Florida. And then I can tell you very plainly, I never had any plans in my life to ever pastor a church, ever. I never said I wouldn't do it. I always just said, I'll do whatever God wants. But let me tell you something. I never had any desire in my heart to be a pastor. I never had any desire in my heart to start a church. And then all of a sudden, God put the desire in my heart. And now all of a sudden, I'm feeling there's more. We've had the best years ever in the history of our ministry of evangelism. And my wife and I are walking along the Ohio River and praying because we knew something. there's something more. And it was then God birthed in our hearts, you've got to start this church in West Palm Beach. I'd never even done anything. I mean, a couple, couple nights in my entire life in West Palm Beach at conferences. But that's it. No revivals there. But God said, you've got to go. You've got to launch the church. You've got to do it. That put a, a desire in my heart. You know why? Because God will give you the desires of your heart. He'll align your desires, if you'll yield to him, with kingdom plans. Hallelujah. And now I'm so blessed. God has sent me so many wonderful families at Miracle Word Church. Many of them are on tonight watching. I'm blessed. But God put a desire in my heart and I followed the desire that God gave me. That's kingdom. That's kingdom. When God has you do something that's kingdom, it's for the plan and the purpose that he's carrying out in the earth. And when we, no, listen, I love Florida too, Dylan. Well, let me tell you something. I, when I started praying, I recognize something. There's more to praying than just asking God to bless your food, asking God to give you a good night's sleep, asking God to give you peaceful dreams. There's more. There's more than that. There's more than God give me a promotion at work. God, I pray that. There's more. There's more than that. And those things are good, but there's more. Kingdom prayers have to be a part of your repertoire. Think about this. Kingdom prayers have to be a part of your repertoire. You have to be praying for things God wants done. Got to pray for things that God wants done. 
Pray for his plan to come to pass. Step out and believe God. This is going to be the year that the anointing of the Holy Ghost shakes this nation like it never has. Where we'll see revival spring up in all 50 states. Fires of revival in all the major cities. We'll see crime decrease. We'll see, I mean, addictions broken. That's kingdom prayers. So number number three, kingdom first prayers. Number four, make sure you pray God's will in all prayers, not just kingdom prayers. Make sure you pray God's will. You say, what does that mean? There are people who pray things that are not even found in the scripture. God can't answer those prayers. So if you want your prayers to be powerful, then align your prayers with God's word. Align your prayers with God's word. You say, what do you mean by that? Well, there's different types of prayer, and that's not what I'm teaching on tonight. I'm not teaching on the different types of prayer. I may do that, uh, and I'm sure I will during these 21 days. Also, if you've not availed yourself of Miracle Word University, uh, if you go to miraclewordu.com, we have all kinds of classes on there. One of those is called Answered Prayer, and we go through hours of teaching on all the different types of prayer, all those things, how, how to get your prayers answered, what keeps people's prayers from being answered. So I'm not doing an extensive teaching on the types of prayer, but one of the types of prayer that we find in the Bible is what we would call the prayer of consecration. That's one of the only prayers that it's appropriate to pray, God, if it be your will. God, if it be your will. Because his will is revealed in his word. But there are certain things you'll not find in the scripture that will guide your life. For example, the Bible won't tell you which person to marry. It'll tell you the type or the kind of person to marry, but it won't point out out the exact person. It won't tell you where to go to college. It won't tell you what to do for a career. The Bible's not going to tell you those specifics. But when you pray the prayer of consecration and say, Lord, whatever your will is for me, reveal it to me. That's a consecration prayer. My life is yours, Lord. Guide me, lead me. Jesus even prayed that prayer. He was in the garden. He didn't want to go to the cross. His flesh was fighting against it. He said, Lord, if there's any other way, let this cup of suffering pass from me. But then what did he say? Not my will, but your will be done. Hallelujah. Prayer of consecration. Not my will, but your will be done. And so... There is a a push for God's will. But do you know that's also the reason that we give you prayer points to help you? Because when we give you those 100 prayer points, they already have scripture verses attached to them. And that's important because if you pray something, for example, like Brother Hagin told the story one time that there was a man in his church that came to him and said, Brother Hagin, would you agree with in prayer with me? He said, what are we praying about? He said, see that woman over there? I'm praying that, she, that God would make her my wife. He said, the problem with that man's prayer was is that she already had a husband and he already had a wife. <laughs> she already had a husband. God's not, that's not a scriptural prayer. God's not breaking up two marriages to start a new one. And so what scripture are you going to stand on for that? 
There's no scripture to stand on. And the Bible says in Jeremiah chapter 1, God is watching over his word to perform it. God is watching over his word to perform it. Amen. Has he not said it and will he not do it? Has he not spoken it and will he not bring it to pass? God's not a man that he should lie. If he said it, he's going to do it. Probably the most important verse in the entire Bible, Numbers chapter 23. God is not a man that he should lie. Amen. If he said it, he's going to do it. That's why we base our prayers on what he already said. That's why when you go to check out the prayer points, we've already got scripture attached to all of them because it's what God already said. Pray according to God's will. Pray according to God's will. Always. Always. Number five, go with me to 1 Timothy chapter 1. This is something that should be in your prayer time according to Scripture. And that is this. Pray for those in authority. 1 Timothy chapter 2. And I'll, verses, I'll read verses 1 and 2. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. Listen to this. First of all, then I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people, for kings and all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. This is good and it's pleasing in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all people to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. Okay? So there should be a time in your prayer time where you pray for those that are in authority. Pray for those that are in leadership. Pray for your president. Well, he's not my president. I didn't vote. He's not my president. <laughs> pray for those that are in authority. Pray for those that are in authority. Pray for those that are in spiritual authority. If you're not praying for your pastor, you should immediately begin praying for your pastor. I'm serious. I'm serious. Pray for your pastor. Pray for those in authority. Why? That we may live a peaceable life. It's pleasing to the Lord. Pray for those in authority. Pray for the nation of Israel. The Bible says it. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Pray. These are things that are commanded in Scripture. Don't let them go. You know, your pastor, those that are around you, they need your prayers. You know, the devil tries to destroy the men and women of God that are doing the work of God. Pray for them. Ask God to put a hedge of protection around them. Ask God to watch over them. Ask God to give them strength. Ask God to give them revelation. Ask God to do what only he can do in their life and in their family. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Number six, this is so important. This one I'm about to give you, so vital. Number six, pray for wisdom. So vital. Pray for wisdom. Let me give you some verses on this. Go back with me to Proverbs chapter three. Pray for wisdom. Say, 
Why should I pray for wisdom? I'm going to show you in just a moment. Proverbs 3, listen to verses 13 and 14. Blessed is the one who finds wisdom and the one who gets understanding. Verse 14, for the gain from her, that's wisdom, is better than gain from silver and her profit is better than gold. Look at that. Her profit is better than gold. Wisdom is better than silver and gold, the Bible says. Hmm. Look at um, verses 16 and 17 there. Long life is in her right hand. In her left hand are riches and honor. Her ways are ways of pleasantness. And all her paths are peace. Glory to God. That's wisdom. That's wisdom. Long life, riches and honor, peaceful paths. What does that come from? Wisdom. Comes from wisdom. Jump over one proverb to the fourth proverb and look at the seventh verse. Proverbs 4, 7. Look at this. The beginning of wisdom is this. Get wisdom. (laughs) And whatever you get, get insight. That's Proverbs 4, 7. The beginning of wisdom is this. Get wisdom. And whatever you get, get insight. Wisdom and insight. Over and over and over, the Bible tells us to seek after wisdom. Listen to this. God is so interested in you becoming wise that he said this in James chapter 1 and verse 5. Are there any of you who lack wisdom? Are there any of you who lack wisdom? Pray. Ask me for it. That's what he's saying. Ask me for it. I'll give it to all of you liberally, and I won't rebuke you for asking. That's how much God wants you to have divine wisdom. What kind of wisdom is that? The kind of wisdom that acknowledges his ways are higher than my ways. His thoughts higher than my thoughts. Hallelujah. He said, do any of you lack wisdom? Let him ask of God who gives to all men liberally and will not rebuke them for asking. That's how badly God wants you to have that kind of wisdom that has long life in her hands, silver and gold, riches and honor, the paths of peace. Wisdom is the principal thing, the Bible says. Do you know if you lost all your money but still had wisdom, it wouldn't matter because you could get it all back and more because you've got wisdom. Hallelujah. It's like that old... um, adage that that used to, that's been around for years. If you give a man a fish, he can eat for a day. If you teach a man to fish, he can eat for a lifetime. Let me say that again. I know you've heard it before, but think of it in this context. Give a man a fish, he can eat for a day. Teach a man to fish, he can eat for a lifetime. Why? Because you just imparted wisdom to that man. You just imparted wisdom. You, sh- you gave him your knowledge, your wisdom, and now it empowered him to have provision for his entire life. That's what wisdom does. It wouldn't matter if someone stole everything from you because wisdom can get it all back and more. But fools, the Bible says, are destroyed. Think of how heavy that is. Fools are destroyed. They're destroyed. There's nothing you can do as a fool. 
You fail, you fail, you fail. Foolish. The Bible says fools reject correction. Fools reject correction. Wise people seek it out. Hallelujah. That's what the Word of God is. The Word of God is correction. It's a mirror. You look into it. It shows you what's wrong, what needs to be changed. Shows you what's right. It's correction. Wise people seek out correction. Fools reject correction. Fools run from correction. Fools get offended at correction. Wise people love it. That's why when you're talking to people who are wise, they're not just going to start giving you a bunch of criticism, constructive criticism, not going to tell you about If you talk to somebody that's really wise, you have to dig that out of them. I've learned this by, exa- by, by experience. If you get around somebody that's truly wise, someone that can produce, somebody that can really make it happen, they're not going to just jump on and start telling you everything you need to change. No, they're look because they know most of the time that falls on deaf ears, in one ear, out the other. They're looking for people that truly want the wisdom they have, that ask penetrating questions. What, what do you think I should do in this situation, this situation? Not going around telling everybody everything they've done. Let me tell you what I did this quarter. I mean, it's, no. What can I do better? How can I? That's wisdom. Seeking information, seeking knowledge, seeking correction. Wise people seek out correction. And the greatest correction you can get is from the Lord. Let the Lord be the one to correct you. And then finally, before we pray, let me say this. The seventh thing, the seventh thing that needs to be a parameter in your prayer time is this. As a spirit-filled Christian, be led by the spirit in your prayer. Be led by the spirit in your prayer time. I've told this before. Dr. Summerall, Dr. Lester Summerall, was traveling with a man named Howard Carter. They were overseas in a third world nation in the bush and a strange fever hit them. They were like being taken out by it. And all of a sudden after a couple of days, it just broke and they moved on to the next place. And when they got back to America, Dr. Summerall, much later, was having dinner at someone's house that were, I guess, friends of his. And the wife said to him, Dr. Summerall, what was happening in your ministry or in your life on this specific date, there was no email, there was no FaceTime back then. What was happening in your ministry at this specific date? He went back in his journal and he found that was the date that they were struggling with that thing that hit them physically, that fever and all the stuff was going on in the bush. And they said, we had such a heavy burden to pray for you on that day. They didn't know what he was going through. They didn't know what Brother Summerall and Dr. Carter were dealing with. They didn't know any of any of it. They were in a, another country, far away. But the Holy Ghost knew. And so what did he do? Led them to pray by the Spirit for Brother Summerall. Gave them a burden for Dr. Summerall. And the Holy Spirit used their prayers to bring them out of that problem. Be led by the Spirit in your prayer time. The Bible says in Romans 8, 14, as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they're the sons of God. Every one of us can be led. You know, we don't give you the prayer points uh, to make your prayer time, you know, like some religious prayer book, so you're just reciting prayers. No, it's just something to get you kick-started. It's just something to get you going. But what I've found is, if I'll jump into my prayer time, start praying these prayer points and everything, I'll start almost immediately having the Holy Spirit take me multiple directions. 
as I'm thanking him, as I'm praising him, I'll have the Holy Ghost take me in different directions. There's a reason for that. He wants to lead you by his spirit in prayer. And that's what I'm going to do. We're going to take this time to pray together. We're taking these final moments of today before some of you are going to bed. Some of you will be up for hours. But we're going to pray and we're going to press in and ask God to touch us during this 21 days, to use us during these 21 days, to open doors by the power of his spirit. And so as we always do, as I said earlier, I want you to pray with me. We're going to begin, as I said tonight, by thanking and praising God and praying in the Holy Spirit. Then we're going to begin to ask God to do great things in our lives and in our ministries and our businesses and our families. And then we're going to finish by thanking and praising him for his goodness and thanking him for his mercy. But let's pray. Come on. Poroshte grama rakoste rebaba rakostengi brofashto rebaba ye krikesti diatoje rema rakoste griatai rebando rakosta makatele de shitimi robos de griarabasta maregi de bosha katane robosta kale de brovoze gri dembiste kevra moli rekandolo posta ragi de brostanea beshov rabanda de krekeo Mastoko rebedike, reba jo rondo rekite brabasta, so rokonde de bravai, repando rekia, boshe ki vraba de griste de brabote, candolo ba jega repiste namahaye, robo rekia la bosta frapate kehe, mando she brabate kelia, maroje va pacate grigege moro doze, remendi avroco se pate ki apai, rode Kia pasto ko ramanda lepra basta degi. Reboje kiata labande. Paroko stedia babaro konodi andai. Father, we thank you tonight. We, Lord, we thank you on this very first day of the fast that you're already working on our behalf. Your word declares if my people that are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, then I will hear from heaven and I will heal their land. And Lord, we have humbled ourselves by fasting and we're pressing in by prayer. We're coming to you in faith, believing that you're going to open heaven over America in 2024, open heaven over the nations of the world in this year of 2024 and pour out your power, pour out your glory, pour out your revival, pour out your favor in the name of Jesus Christ. I thank you, Lord that though we've not been able to see it yet, you've already begun to work behind the scenes. Things are changing for the better forever in 2024. We declare it. We are standing under open heavens in Jesus' name. And because we're standing under open heavens, I thank you, Lord, that one of those things you're going to do, as you did with Noah, you opened up the heavens and judged the wicked. And Lord, I'm asking you, to let this be a year that every wicked purpose that stands against your plan, your purpose, your church, I pray you open heaven and pour out judgment upon the wicked. Lord, not upon the unbeliever, not, not upon those who just need to hear the gospel, those that just need to receive your word. No, pour it out on those who know the truth and that are purposefully suppressing the truth and pushing back against your plan 
and your agenda. Those that have set their hearts against heaven, those that have set their hearts against the gospel, I pray you open heaven in 2024 and judge the wicked. Those that are coming after the innocent, those that are coming after our children, those that are coming after our grandchildren, those that want to destroy nations and bring us into a global one world control, those that want an antichrist agenda to come to pass. Open heavens in 2024 and judge the wicked this year like you've never done. In the mighty name of Jesus, I pray that you would reveal and expose things that were taking place behind the scenes and that you would let righteousness prevail in the United States of America. Lord, I declare it by the power of the Holy Ghost, as long as we're here, they cannot destroy our nation. Lord, even in the Old Testament, you were willing to spare the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah for just a few righteous people, the most wicked cities that we have in the Bible. The most wicked, depraved cities we have in the Bible, you were willing to spare them for just a few righteous. And Lord, we have more than a few righteous in the United States of America. We have many, many, many righteous people that are seeking your face in the United States of America. And so, Lord, I ask you tonight, by the power of your spirit, that you would not only spare this nation, but that you would bless this nation, that you would pour revival out upon this nation, that you would show your glory to this nation. I thank you. You're not done with America. You're not done with Canada. You're not done with Europe. You're not done with South and Central America. You're not done with Australia. You're not done, Lord, with Russia. You're not done with China in the countries of these. We thank you. You're not finished working. This is not the end. Jesus has not raptured his church yet. There's more to do. And so, Lord, I ask you, pour your spirit out in a fresh measure. Let us see a new hunger among your people. I pray in Jesus' name that we would see people rising up all over the place with a desire to see souls saved, with a desire to see people changed by the power of the Holy Ghost. I pray you raise up an army of people that would not compromise, that would not bow their knee to the spirit of this world. I pray in the name of Jesus Christ that this would be a year that we'd see an army of on-fire believers rise up all through America, all through Canada, all through Central and South America, all through Eastern and Western Europe. Lord, do it around the world. People that will not bow their knee to the spirit of this world, but will stand in righteousness, that will stand in the power of the Holy Ghost. Lord, let this be our year of breakthroughs and open heavens. We thank you for it. We give you praise for it. Lord, I am praying, as I said earlier, for all of your men and women around the world that are doing the work of the ministry. I pray for every pastor, every apostle, every prophet, every evangelist, every teacher in the name of Jesus Christ. Tonight, let your anointing fill them once again, flow through their bodies. I pray they would have supernatural strength in their bodies, that no attack of the devil could take them out physically in the name of Jesus Christ. I command sickness and the spirit of infirmity to loose its grip and let them go in the name of Jesus Christ. Every foul attack that's been launched against the men and women of God has to break tonight by the power of your spirit. 
you'll get all the praise. You'll get all the glory and the honor for what you're doing. I thank you, Lord. There's not one weapon formed against us that can be allowed to prosper. Why? For we have the shield of faith that extinguishes every fiery dart of the wicked one. Not one dart passes through in 2024. We declare it tonight. Not one dart passes through the shield in 2024. We declare every dart, every plan, every attack is extinguished by the shield of faith. In the name of Jesus Christ, it's a year of victories for us. It's a year of breakthroughs for us by the power of the Spirit. We stand in strength. We stand in authority. And we declare we will not be moved. We will not be shaken. We will not be stopped in the name of Jesus Christ. We will not be stopped. You can't stop the people of God. For your word declares, Lord, that you will build your church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And so now I thank you that we are a people who will stand, we will stand, we will stand. We will not bow our knee, we'll not fall asleep, we'll not be like those who have gone into a slumber and they've gone into cruise control mode. They're walking around like zombies on the earth. They've forgotten their purpose. That will never be our story in the name of Jesus. That will never be our story. We declare by the power of the Holy Ghost that you're setting us ablaze with a new and a fresh fire tonight. Not Lord, I pray that you would not only fill those that have never been filled with the Holy Ghost, with the evidence of speaking in other tongues, but I pray also, Lord, that you would refill those that have been filled with the Holy Spirit. Lord, just like you did in Acts chapter 4, the same ones that had been filled in Acts chapter 2 are being refilled. Hallelujah. We're seeing refilling of the Holy Ghost. We thank you, Lord, that there's a new strength coming on your people. There's a new flow in the Spirit. Lord, I thank you that we'll see more manifestations of the gifts of the Spirit in this year than we've ever seen. I thank you for that. I ask you, Lord, to manifest your power by the working of miracles. Do it by the gifts of healing. I pray in Jesus' name that you will touch us physically. Let the gift of faith be in operation. Prophecy, tongues, interpretation of tongues, the word of knowledge, the word of wisdom, discerning of spirits. Let them be manifested by your presence and use them for redemptive purpose. Bring people to the foot of the cross through the gifts of the Spirit in operation, just like Jesus did, just like the apostles did, in Jesus' name, just like the early church did. Lord, if there are those who do not want the power of your Spirit to be manifested, they've turned into social clubs, set them on fire again. Bring a heavy conviction to every church that refuses to preach a strong gospel. Bring a heavy conviction to every church that won't preach against sin. Bring a heavy conviction to every church that won't give altar calls and call people to Christ. Bring a heavy conviction to them, Lord. And I pray in the name of Jesus that our churches would be fresh and new in 2024. Pastors that for years maybe they've never been in that kind of a momentum in the Holy Spirit. Set them out like they're coming out off the starting blocks on a new race. 
Lord, I pray you let every one of them run their race and finish their course in Jesus' name. Lord, for every attack that's been launched against families this year, we declare we refuse to succumb to the attacks of the devil. Our families are protected. Our families will be blessed. I thank you that our children will not experience what the rest of this world's children will experience. Our children will not go through the same issues and problems that the children of this world go through. I thank you that they'll not go through the same identity crises, that they'll not have gender dysphoria. I thank you, Lord, that they'll know who they are in Christ, that they'll walk in strength and in power. I thank you, Lord, that they'll set the captives free. Our children will heal the sick. Our children will win souls. Our children will deliver the captives. We have Holy Ghost anointed, strong, smart, and set apart children in Jesus' name. I thank you that our families will not know calamity in Jesus' name. Our families will not know tragedy in Jesus' name, but that you'll do a mighty work in our families, Lord. Use us for your glory. We're your servants. Use us. We'll say what you want us to say. We'll go where you want us to go. We'll do what you want us to do. Use us for that purpose, Lord, in Jesus' mighty name. We thank you that your hand is upon us. We thank you that a hedge of protection is around us. As the songwriter said, be a fence all around us every day. Protect us as we journey along life's way. You're able to do exceeding abundantly and above all that we can ask or think according to the power that works in us. And so, Lord, we thank you that you're doing that for us. This is our year. I pray that we'd have such expedited answers to prayer in 2024 that by the time June comes to an end, we would have to determine all new prayer requests because you had answered the prayers for 2024 so quickly, so quickly, hallelujah, so quickly. I give you praise for that. I pray for Miracle Word Church tonight, Lord. Join your faith with me as we pray. I pray for Miracle Word Church. I pray you send souls in from every direction in the mighty name of Jesus. Lord, let us make a significant impact on West Palm Beach and the surrounding cities and area. I pray in Jesus' name, let revival break loose in West Palm Beach like we've never seen in Jesus' name. I thank you that families will be turned around and changed by the power of the Holy Ghost. Lord, I pray for supernatural church growth for Miracle Word Church in 2024. I pray that you'd continue to add families. I pray that you continue to add souls to the church. Even though we're not even yet in the building, I pray that even as we're mobile, you would continue to add families to the church in Jesus' mighty name. And I give you praise for that. I give you thanks for that by the power of your Holy Spirit. Lord, do a mighty work in our church in Jesus' name. Let signs and wonders and miracles continue to break forth in the church in 2024 by the power of the Holy Ghost. We declare we're taking off to another level in this new year. In Jesus' name, Lord, let the permits come quickly back from the city and the building department. Let our building quickly be completed in Jesus' name. And let us get in there very, very quickly and let the church begin to make an impact in that region where the church building is located. Let families come in. Let families be saved. Some that have never been to church before, draw them in and do supernatural things in their lives in the name of Jesus Christ. I pray, Lord, that you would use us to see a fire hit the city 
I pray in Jesus' name, surrounding areas. People will come in from all over the place to see what God's doing in West Palm Beach. You told us, Lord, months ago to begin to claim 12,000 souls being saved, a tithe of the city of West Palm Beach. 12,000 souls. And so we declare it. We ask you for it. We ask you to do it in the mighty name of Jesus. You'll get the praise and the glory. Bless the families of Miracle Word Church. I pray in Jesus' name. Bless every family represented from our church. I pray that their children would be blessed. I pray that they'll have opportunities that they've never had in the name of Jesus. I pray that they'd make sales that nobody else could make, that they'll sign contracts nobody else could sign. They'll have bonuses and benefits and commissions that nobody else is able to get. Let their lives be mind-blowing, spectacles because of your power, because of your glory. Lord, those that have felt in their spirit to move to West Palm Beach and that area to be a part of Miracle Word Church from other states, from other places, I pray you would expedite their move in the mighty name of Jesus. I pray that you would do things for them that nobody else could do. Open doors where there didn't even look like there was a door. Open up a way and bring them in quickly, Lord. We thank you for that. Thank you that you've already put it in the hearts of many to join us. And we will see supernatural growth in 2024 by the power of the Holy Spirit. And all we'll be able to do is laugh when we see your goodness, when we see your mercy. Lord, let us preach Jesus so strong that conviction comes to the hearts of men and women that hear the message. And they'll come and give their life to Jesus Christ. Let it happen swiftly in Jesus' name. Give us a heart for souls. Lord, as we send our teams on the street to win souls to Jesus, I thank you that you'll give us open doors with everybody we talk to, that hearts would be opened to receive Christ right on the street and then add them to the church, Lord, in Jesus' name. Protect us in 2024 from every wicked plan of the devil. We thank you, Lord, that angels surround us, watching over us, taking care of us in Jesus' name. I give you honor. I give you glory for that. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Now, Lord, we thank you that these things are done. We praise you ahead of time for all the things that are about to happen in this new year. We give you glory for what's about to go down. This is going to be a year for the books. We thank you that 2024 is our year of open heavens, and we're going to have testimony after testimony after testimony in the wonderful and mighty name of Jesus Christ. We declare it. We believe it. This is our time. Hallelujah. This is our time. I thank you that families will be able to declare by the end of the year, as for me and my house, we serve the Lord. Household salvation is going to be our story in 2024 in the name of Jesus. Household salvation. Hallelujah. Household salvation is going to be our story. We give you praise. We give you glory. We thank you that you're quickly doing it in Jesus' mighty name. If you believe it, somebody shout amen. Throw some hands up from fire up in the comments if you're standing with me. Hallelujah. Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.